Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, the Senate has now officially released the text of the proposed gun legislation. This is legislation that supposedly has been accepted or the terms have been agreed to by enough Republican and Democrat senators to pass the U.S. Senate, which, of course, that takes 60, the the threshold of 60 to get past the filibuster. And so this will be going to the, it appears, um, the NRA, the NRA, by the way, is fighting this. I want to, I'll give you some information about that today. If you want to uh, get involved with their campaign, they're, they're doing a campaign to call your senators. And I'm, I've got a link posted on our uh, community page. And for those of you that have not been there, it's just a part of our website, um, You'll. This is kind of where we put the, uh, the stuff that's changing and the things that you can comment on and so forth. You'll have to start. It's a, a free account, it, but it, it lets you comment on things and all that kind of stuff, like it and that that sort of thing. Community.toddhuffshow.com. Community.toddhuffshow.com. You'll go to the community discussion section, and you'll see something that was posted. Uh, last night, 9.30-ish, something like that, Eastern Time. Um, it says, NRA, ask your senators to vote no. And you can click on that. I mean, read what they say there. I'm going to share what I'm going to share um, the concerns of the NRA. We're going to talk, br- talk briefly about this and kind of let you know what they're recommending, some of the concerns here. And then, of course, you uh, can do what you choose here. Some of you are very involved and on the front end of this some of you um, may wait until you know you, you you hear about it in the news which is what we're doing right now and there, you know there's people that are all over the spectrum in this this audience as far as you know what uh, what they follow how uh, how much they follow the NRA directly or other other groups you know maybe first amendment group uh, pro-life groups whatever and we've got that out there too the Supreme Court in fact, it looks like the Supreme Court looks like the Supreme Court is going to wait until the last minute here to release their ruling in the Hobbs case, um, the Hobbs case, the abortion case that could actually lead to the overturning of Roe versus Wade and the Casey case. I always like saying the Casey case. I feel like I'm being redundant, but anyway, so those things are out there as well. Let's start here with this. Legislation, legislation that has been apparently agreed upon by enough Republican and Democrat senators to pass the Senate. Presumably, it would pass the House. The only reason, well, it's the Senate's where the where there's going to be the most tie-up. Number one, you need sixty senators to to have a 
to end the filibuster, to invoke cloture and actually uh, bring a piece of legislation to vote. So that's a big burden. But you also have to wonder if it doesn't go far enough, as some people will inevitably think that this bill does not go far enough on the left. Um, they might lose some left uh, leftists or even liberal votes in the House, but they probably would pick up enough maybe moderate Republican votes in the, in the House. So it appears that if it passes the Senate, it's more than likely going to pass the House. But there's no there's no 100% guarantee. But this is now the, – the legislation is – is now – there's a text of the legislation. It's 80 pages. I looked at it last night, 8-0 pages. And um, it's, again, apparently got the votes to pass the U.S. Senate. I want to read for you – I want to read for you the National Rifle Association, the NRA's, I guess, press release or their statement pertaining to this piece of legislation. It's not very long, a couple of paragraphs here. So here is what they say. The NRA will support legislation that improves school security, promotes mental health services, and helps reduce violent crime. However, we will oppose this gun control legislation because it falls short at every level. It does little to truly address violent crime while opening the door to unnecessary burdens on the exercise of Second Amendment freedom by law-abiding gun owners. They continue here. The legislation, this legislation I should say, can be abused to restrict lawful gun purchases, infringe upon the rights of law-abiding Americans, and use federal dollars to fund gun control measures being adopted by state and local politicians. This bill leaves too much discretion in the hands of government officials and also contains undefined and overbroad provisions inviting interference with our constitutional freedom. Freedoms. Decisions by the Supreme Court of the United States in the Heller and McDonald cases make clear that the Second Amendment is an individual constitutional freedom. We will always fight for the, uh, those freedoms and the fundamental values we have defended for over 150 years. So the main, I would, ugh. so so there's a couple of concerns. So we've we've touched on these briefly um, a week or two ago, probably two weeks ago now that I think about it. Um, we have, we've touched on a couple of things. One of the things has to do, the concerns has to do with red flag legislation. We talked about this. I don't want to go back. You can go back and look at our previous episodes. Um, I might try to do that in one of the upcoming breaks to tell you which one, if you want to go back and listen, because I'm not going to go into as much detail, but red flag legislation, this particular bill does not have federal red flag laws. That is actually a good thing. What it does do, however, it is is that it encourages states. It encourages states and even provides some funding for states to enact their own red flag laws, red flag legislation. And what is a red flag law? In general, of course, <laughs> if the bill is designed to entice or what I want to say, uh, give tools and funding to states in order for, for those states who pass red flag laws. These laws aren't technically in existence yet. Some states, of course, uh, have something like this. 
But the idea of a red flag law is that, again, these things can vary. They can vary based upon what an actual state legislature decides to craft and approve and and vote on and pass. But essentially, people who are close to, and I'm trying to think of the best way to say this because sometimes it's family members, coworkers, uh, those tend to be the the most common, but I suppose in theory it could be neighbors. Anyone that's deemed within whatever whatever circle, whatever that circle is, it can be a, s- a smaller circle or a larger circle, um, where someone can report an individual as a potential potential danger, a potential threat um, to the community, and. The starting point is what's most troubling about this these red flag laws is that there's a presumption of guilt or a presumption that you are going to do something simply because someone who's close to you has told you or has has reported to authorities that you are a risk. And so they first take the weapons and then after a certain amount of time um, which, of course, it's the court system. So whatever amount of time they probably will tell us it's going to be, it's probably going to take longer. Uh, but there will be a, a hearing eventually. And then at that hearing, the judge is going to decide um, if an individual is, in fact, a danger and whether or not they should have should have weapons. It doesn't take much imagination to see how this can be abused or to see how to see the problems here. Number one, there's no due process. So let's as the NRA in that statement I just read, the NRA has pointed out that the Supreme Court of the United States, in two Supreme Court cases, the Heller case, McDonald case, those two cases established, the court established that the Second Amendment guarantees the right to keep and bear arms by the individual, meaning it's an individual constitutional freedom. It's not simply something that is for, if you read the full text of the Second Amendment, you'll see that it says it references um, a well-regulated militia being necessary to a free free state, secure state. I have to look at it. Um they there's there's been dis, you know debate dispute over this you'll, you'll find this if you if you have second amendment discussions some people say that was only designed for i'm not saying i agree with this i'm just trying to explain for the sake of discussion right now but some people say that hey that is designed so that states could have their militias be armed right that's necessary and it does there is that clause in the Second Amendment. In fact, I'm going to read it here as I'm give you the actual full full text. Um, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So it is worded a little bit. <laughs> there's commas, and it's worded in a way that can be. Uh, I'm trying to be. I'm not trying to. You know. Misinterpreted. I'm, I'm saying it probably could have been written a little bit more directly, I think. But anyway, um, this, the cases that they reference here, the, the Keller case and the McDonald case, said that 
and I agree with it, by the way, the right is retained by the people. And what this amendment, those cases would contend, basically is saying is, is that militias are made up of free people within a particular nation or a city or state. And so in order for them to be able to be an armed militia, they're going to have to have firearms. And so there, there was a, a practical use back in the, um, you know, with, with a militia as, as a, a, an army, right? I mean, the, the government of the United States and standing armies, that was not, that was something the, the founders originally did not want to, you know, get into was, was having standing armies. They, they saw the dangers of a, of a standing army and how that could, you know, they were having to quarter, for example, uh, British soldiers, and, and there wasn't really anything that they could do about that. And so the thinking was, okay, these, the, the military can be comprised of the men in the community. And so, ergo, they have to be, they have to be able to keep and bear arms for their protection if they're called up to military service, if there's a, a need for defense, as had happened throughout the course of this great nation, especially in, of course, our earlier years. But the finding basically found, you know, the, the cases basically determined that the, the real right here is the right to uh, be able to defend ourselves. That, that at the core is essentially what we're, we're dealing with, is the right to protect ourselves from any threat which could include, I mean, anything from a tyrannical government to someone who's trying to, to harm us as a, as a criminal or what have you. Of course, some people say, okay, Todd, you're going you're gonna to fight an M1, um, M1A1 tank or an A10. You're going to fight that with an AR-15 or whatever. And, of course, um, that's not exactly how that um, – that's, kind of, that's kind of a, a – a false way of presenting the argument. No one's saying that an AR-15 can fight off an, an A-10, a warthog or whatever, any aircraft or tank or what have you. The idea is, as we've seen throughout history, I mean, guerrilla warfare has been quite effective against, against armies. I mean, it has. I mean, you don't have to look very far back in history and see the, the difficulties that have come um, from people just being able to fight back in that capacity because they have they have firearms. I mean, to suggest that someone is is anywhere in the world saying that someone with an AR-15 can stand toe to toe with a Abrams tank or whatever is not at all what someone's saying. But the ability, the ability to have arms to protect oneself against a tyrannical government, it does create a series of problems if a tyrannical government were to exist. Are they going to go in and just level cities with missiles and bombs? I mean, that's typically, that's not how we fought um, a lot of these wars that we've been in. It's, it's, for example, the Afghans fought a successful guerrilla war against the Soviet Union. Not only again into military history, because obviously there's different terrain and different different factors, but the idea basically is that the Supreme Court has ruled that that, uh, that that right, that constitutional freedom is to the individual. That individual can, of course, in the time of the founding, 
could have been called up into the well-regulated militia, but that right begins with the individual. So the NRA is saying this particular legislation that's being introduced presents a, a problem, and one of those is, is red flag laws, the presumption of guilt, um, the lack of due process. It's backwards, really, and, you know, probable cause is just a simple allegation, I guess, from, from someone that's, I guess, to be believed at all costs, and the state can step in and temporarily at least suspend your right to keep and bear arms. That's, that's a problem. Um, the NRA would also say there needs to be more effective ways at stopping actual violence instead of trying to make it harder for lawful, law-abiding citizens to uh, secure and keep and bear arms. There's other things that can be done, the NRA is arguing here. And this really, the NRA is contending, and I'm not saying I disagree, I'm just telling you if you want to be a part of what the NRA is doing, I'm going to give you, again, the link where you can do that. Um, but the NRA is saying this is, this is not a good thing. They're going to fight this. There's better ways. This is, this is a potential problem for law-abiding gun owners. Red flag laws are a problem. Um, do the lack of due process for red flag laws in particular is a problem. Other prohibitions on who can own firearms is a problem because, again, if the McDonald and the Keller cases are, well, I shouldn't say if, those are, those are established law. I mean, as those are Supreme Court law of the land, that's what the court has ruled, um, and they're saying it's an individual right. And if the government is saying certain individuals can no longer purchase them, that they're that's not <laughs> that's not necessarily a good thing. That's probably not a good thing, um, especially when we're dealing with people who are adults, right? I mean, that's we move ages from eighteen to twenty-one. So the NRA here is saying, hey, if you want to be involved in this campaign, if you want to, you know. Sign up. I've got that link on our community page, which again, community.todhuffshow.com. Simply go to our community discussion page. You can enter your information there. That's nothing I've just shared what the NRA has done. If you want to be on their list and say, hey, what else can I do? But they're saying to call your senators. That's what they're saying and encourage your senator to oppose this legislation because this is um, a piece of legislation that is dangerous to the Second Amendment rights of American. So I want to share that off the top long in this segment as I knew I would be. Quick timeout is in order when we get back. I want to shift gears a tiny bit here, get into some, uh, some other issues as well that are out there floating around, some things that we've talked about here in recent days as well. I want to chime in on a few of the things, but timeout's in order. So tight, my friends. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. <laughs> My friends, I want to clarify. I got to talking quickly there and I want to clarify. Occasionally this does happen. It's very incredibly rare, but I want to clarify something I said. The age restrictions in this legislation, this gun legislation, um, I, I do have a problem with. I agree with the NRA on this. And that's important to, uh, to, to point out. 
And the reason is, look, I understand that a lot of these recent shooters have been 18 years old. But the, the problem is that to arbitrarily say any look if you're if you're an adult um and you're no longer a minor the constitution grants you you should have full access to to the same amount of rights as everyone else and i know the handgun uh legislation and so forth but we're headed in the wrong direction i think again i'm not saying there's no logic to i know it's a it's a dangerous thing we got people out there who hate guns in the Second Amendment, and they wanted to take any step to eradicate it, you do have reasonable people that are trying to say, well, maybe this might prevent something. And then you've got people who say, yeah, we want to do what we can to prevent these things from happening, but we also want to, we cannot just ignore individual rights. And that's really the point here of of what the NRA is trying to do. They're saying this, this is a right that's been established in... First of all, by the Constitution, well, the right's been established by our Creator. The Constitution recognized that these particular cases put specific, you know, uh, I don't know what the term I they, they've they've defined that this right is now for the individual. We've had a case that went before a couple of cases that went before the court that have the courts ruled in this particular fashion, and now we're taking steps to. I'm going to say arbitrarily, and you're going to say, well, Todd, these shooters have been young, but, but yet we're, we're taking away, we're taking away constitutional rights from someone simply because they were the same age as one of these other wicked evildoers when there's other factors to be considered. What did I see yesterday? 90, 97 or 98% of all of these mass shootings in the past, I forget how many years, 97, 98% had to deal or actually took place in gun-free zones. I mean, and you don't see that in the legislation. I mean, so if they're going to say 90-some percent of these shooters are 18 or 19 or whatever, then could we not also say, well, 97, 98% of these were in gun-free zones? So those clearly don't do anything, Um, but that's not the way that it works. That's not the way that well, it's not the way that the left works. The left, when they get a victory, they dig in their trenches and they they're not giving up another metaphorical inch. They're not. Unfortunately, Republicans aren't aren't like that. Now, many of you are, but a lot of Republicans just even even good conservative people. Not all. I'm not I'm not trying to say what percentage, but there's there's people who just say, you know what, fine, I don't want to have the fight anymore. Right, and that's that's a part of this. The left is not that way, and to the godless radical left, we understand why. And that's because government is in fact their god, and so why? W- I mean, this is this is their all. This is everything. So anyway, I wanted to clear that up. I didn't do a good job last segment, which is so super rare. You probably don't even know the last time I've had to say this, although I have had to say that a couple of times. But just wanted to clear that up. Didn't want to get any ticked off emails from people who thought I was getting weak on this. That's not, I try to be fair in my discussion of it, but I, the, the principle I think is that we just discussed is, is uh, sound. So that being said, now we're going to take a break. Then we're going to come back, shift gears. So sorry for having to clear that up. Sit tight, my friends, back in just a minute. 
friends. Oz doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I we were talking earlier, Oz and I. And as you know, we've, um, in fact, I got it right here. This right here. What I'm tapping right there, this is the 2000 Mules uh, DVD. And we're looking, again, for folks, if you're interested in watching this with us in our online community, all you have to do is grab your cell phone right now. If you're interested, do this right now. Not if you're driving, not if you're doing something you shouldn't be texting, but if that's not the case, if you're interested in watching this with us, you're not committing to anything, just we're, we're just a few more days here of this, and then we're going to decide if we're going to do this. But you're going to text the word MULES, M-U-L-E-S, MULES, to 317-210-2830. 317-210-2830. That's what you'll text the word MULES to if you're interested, and then we'll get you some information if we decide to do this. And again, you can watch it. I don't care. You can watch, you can get your own DVD. It's hard to get them right now, but you can see it at walmart.com or, I don't know, Amazon, I think, is where they sell these. Um, or you can go to Dinesh to see, I don't have his website, or you can go there and watch it. I think it's 2000mules.com. So really, whatever you want. We're just going to have a chat during during the the documentary, and we're looking at having a conversation afterwards if that's something that folks want to do. But anyway, so I think it's important to see this. Especially in the light of, you know, we've been gaslit. We are being gaslit. I've said this before. I'll say it again. We're being gaslit by the so-called January 6th, the J6 Commission. We got a hip name for it. Um, there used to there used to be in my in my community, my neighborhood, the J was it the J2? Remember what? Huh? The junction, and then there was the J2, right? One of them was like a country bar, I think, or dance, line dancing place. The other, I think, was a hip-hop club. Anyway, but this is J6. That's cool stuff, man. So, but we're being gaslit. We're being gaslit by this. We're being gaslit by the, the commission because what they want us to believe is something that is not accurate. And I'm going to get to this documentary at the end of this little point I want to make here. It might take me a couple, might, might have to get into the next segment as I bump the mic. So we're being gaslit because I even went back through today. In fact, it is, I put them on our show notes page. There were things that we were talking about on this show long before election day of 2020. Things, in fact, I put links to four of our shows before election day that, um, that had shows where we were talking about concerns heading into the election, right? And I didn't even put all of them. In fact, there's an episode I did. I I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I looked. I did a search. We've got pretty comprehensive keywords and stuff, but I just couldn't find it. But there was an episode I did before the election when we kind of talked about some crazy scenario where – there was a tie, you know, 269 to 269 electoral vote, and it had to go to the House of Representatives or something funny happened where we might have even talked about electors not being um, accepted by, you know, by Pence or some such thing. I, I know we talked about general things like that on an episode or two prior to this. So to pretend the, the J6 Commission... That super cool group of all Democrats, by the way. Yes, I know there are two Republicans, but they're rhinos, Republican in name only. 
the Republicans that uh, Kevin McCarthy wanted to put on the committee were stopped from being on the – well, a couple of them were. So McCarthy said, fine, I'm not going to send any of them. And they, of course, took Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who, again, are Republicans in name – Name only. So you've got all Democrats on this committee. There's, you know, our system of justice is an adversarial system of justice. So there's supposed to be, you know, in the case of a inside the court of law, you've got a prosecutor, someone who's making the claims, filing the charges, and you got someone else who's trying to defend against those. And there's boom, it's it's conflict. There's it's it's adversarial. It's it's someone who's trying to move it towards a conviction and someone who's trying to prevent that from happening because that ensures that both sides are being represented. It's not just everybody get together and then somebody forget to actually try to defend the person on on trial, right? And so this isn't a courtroom. This is a, well, it's it's like a courtroom. I mean, you, you swear in. You're not sitting before a judge, but you're sitting before Congress. So there are some, there are similarities, um, but it's it's a dog and pony show is what it is. It's it's the Democrats being Democrats, but they're gaslighting us because they act like they want you to think. And I've read headlines, and I got some of those in the show notes as well, which are at the community page, community.tidehuffshow.com, if you want to see those, and you want to see those old episodes that I'm referencing. But we talked about some of these very things. We talked about the problems with mail-in ballots. We talked about the problems with some of these. Um, states arbitrarily changing deadlines and rules for uh, votes or when, when votes can be received and tallied and all this stuff. We talked about that all before the election. All before the election. Trump was talking about this before the election. Now, the left will say, yeah, because he was setting up basically what he did, which is you know set up this attempt to have an insurrection and to steal the election and all this stuff. But it turns out, as is the case with most things, it turns out that your what's the, what's the old saying? Um, it's well, it, where you end, where you end up, oftentimes depends upon where you start. And so, if your starting point, your starting point is that Trump's a fascist Nazi then you're going to end up that this was part of a concocted plan to steal the election. But if your starting point is that there is an election where there is where there are some questions that have never been answered, and they'll throw out, I've seen people throw these things out, well, there's been 60 cases, why didn't they argue this? Because they nev- there's never been a court that has sat down and listened to Listen to the argument. So long as, so far as I understand, it was all these. Uh, it wasn't as though someone reviewed all the evidence and said, "We're deciding that there's not enough of this." It, it, it was all, you know, to to proceed with this, you know, um, potential change in electors. It was all dismissed for things like, well, the secretaries of state certified the election, which again should should matter. But what if, what if people certified elections based upon data, based upon numbers that we're not sure that are correct? And by the way, Jim Banks and Jim Jordan were both 
refused admission, I guess, onto this committee by Nancy Pelosi because they voted on January 6th to question the electors. By the way, I would have questioned the electors, not because I wanted to have an insurrection, but because it seems, even to this day to me, the logical position to take, especially getting to the point here after seeing 2,000 mules. I've shared on here before, I talked with a gentleman named Patrick Byrne. Patrick Byrne was the CEO and founder of Overstock.com. He's with uh, Mike Lindell. He's you know involved in, in a lot of this election stuff. And I interviewed him on our television show. And on the television show, he told me, in fact, he got a little bit perturbed at me for asking this question because I said to him, I said, I said, Mr. Byrne, um, you know, people have been hearing for weeks, months, maybe even years at that particular point, over a year, maybe at that particular point in time that, oh, just wait until next Tuesday or wait until this day. You're going to see the evidence that's going to make this obvious. They can't ignore it. I said, they've been told that. We've been told that for a long time. Is that really, um, why is it any different this time? And he kind of got upset with me a little bit, not too much. He said, well, forgive us. This was, I'm telling you his words. He said this was the most sophisticated voter fraud scheme in history. We knew on the night of the election, again, his words, I'm just telling you what he said. We knew on the, on the night of the election something didn't add up, especially when you factor in what happened at 3 a.m. or whatever. And he said, so we knew mathematically and statistically that something wasn't making sense, but it took us time to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's the first time I heard about people tracking cell phone data was from Patrick Byrne probably, I don't know, six, eight months ago. Again, you can watch the television show. Is it on? It might be on the website. I know I know. staff is working on getting those up to date. But anyway, he was the first to tell me about that. This whole documentary is kind of based upon tracking cell phone data. And when you find that people are going to multiple drop boxes... When I mean multiple, I mean like 50 in some cases. Um, and then they, you know, they, they track the cell phone data and see that they're going from one to the next. And then they get video evidence showing people, showing people pushing ballots in, wearing gloves, which somebody would say, well, Todd, that's because of COVID or whatever, because it was under the COVID Auspices. By the way, thank you if you said that for agreeing with me that COVID can be politicized because that's precisely what that means. So, but there's video of this. And look, to maybe there's answers to this. <laughs> I I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, I'm that's one of the reasons I, I want to hear people's opinions after seeing this. That's why I want to have talking about having a discussion group after we watch 2000 Mules, I want people to say, what, what explanation can be given for this evidence? Because there is evidence, significant evidence, significant evidence. And so that's why we're doing this. That is, um, I'm going to take a break and, and finish the thought and, and the conversation I had with Oz. But I think people ask me, Todd, what can I do? I know this might sound really small, but I'm going to explain it after the break. I think watching this, and again, whether you do it with us, I don't even, that's up to you. I don't care. Buy the DVD. But I think by watching this, and I think by understanding this, and I think by being able to casually explain it to people who have no idea, they're never going to watch this because, for whatever reason, it's trying to exonerate Trump or whatever. 
But there's a lot of splaining to do, if you ask me, after watching this thing, 2,000 Mules. Again, if you're interested, text the word Mules to 317-210-2830. I've got to take a break. I'm going to talk about my conversation with Oz. When we get back from that break, sit tight, my friends, back in just a minute. I'm going to have to hurry here. So Oz and I were talking, and I understand. Look, I think a lot of times, a lot of times the question is, you know, what can I do? And when I say something like, I think I think watching this is important, however you do that. And I think being able and prepared to talk with your friends about that is important. And then Oz asked me, well, then what? And here, here's what happened. It's kind of, to me, it's like when you think about taking care of your your physical health, right? Exercise, eat right, or whatever. Um, it's it's not like you do that for a, a day, you're going to lose 50 pounds and gain you know 10 pounds of muscle, whatever it is that you want to accomplish. It, it's, it's a gradual thing, and it, and it takes time. And I think the same is true here. If everybody, of course, we're never going to have everybody, but if enough people are educated as to what is going on and how they're manipulating the system and the things happening in this documentary, it becomes harder. It becomes harder for them to get away with the nonsense. Now, at some point, I'm under no illusion. They are going to, there's going to be a certain amount of people that are going to swallow this stuff up without any questions whatsoever. But I think about how it went, you look back at the American Revolution, and there were really two groups of people. There were the people who were, talking about policy and ideas, the intellectuals and so forth. And then there were the Samuel Adams types who went out into the community and were actually going to the pubs and the bars and so forth and and really getting people support, support behind the revolution, explaining the ideas, the reasons, the rationale for why things needed to be the way that they need to be, that people should stand up for liberty. And if enough people, if enough people begin to do that. And if and if we control, I guess, if that's the way to say it, <clears throat> influence, that's probably the best way to say it. If we influence, um, take control, I guess I should say, of the influence that we have, this can have a exponential effect just by just by understanding. I know it sounds it sounds re- crazy at some point, maybe ridiculous, but we have to start by having a good enough understanding and then to be able to inform people because some people just don't know. They're never going to listen, watch this because of some talk show host tells them to. They probably wouldn't even, you know, certain people will never listen to this program, but they'll listen to you. And if you watch it and someone says in passing, man, that stuff's made up about election fraud. And you can say, you know what? I wasn't sure about it either until I saw this. I just think the power of that on a magnitude of a massive scale is we underestimate the power. That's that is how the revolution got its momentum and it's how things are going to have to change here. Now, what's what's maybe a little bit deflating to some people is to think I'm just one person, right? But the thing is it's also very manageable, right? It's something that that we that we can do. Knowing is only a part of the battle. Persuading and communicating to me is the bigger part. Being willing to step in and and make these, um, you know, 
helping people to understand to come to help people what I what we do in this program every day help people hear and receive truth thrill along in this segment I want to say so much more about this but I'm just out of time quick time out back in a minute all right my friends I, I wish I had more time to articulate my thoughts on that I just I just ran out of time and I feel like I could I had more time to do a little bit uh, a little bit better. But the, the gist of what I'm saying, I still believe to be accurate and true. We have to start where we are with what we have. That's what we have to do. It's how we started with this program. It's how the founders started with the revolution. It's how, I mean, the disciples started, right? You you, you start where you are and you, sp- and you well, spread truth. And that's really what we try to do on here every day. Having a little bit of fun. Along the way, I've got to go. Thanks for listening. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.